Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever wondered about the question, why are we sad when a Christian passes away? I truly am not thinking you should ask this question at the moment when you are dealing with the loss of a loved one. But in general, consider what we know and what the Lord has promised for us, sinners though we be. That by his grace and by his mercy, by that amazing sacrificial death of our Lord and Savior, that we are cleansed of our sins that he has clothed us in our righteousness and we shall stand before him on the judgment day and pass from death to life. Indeed, we've already passed from death to life in our baptisms. And so we know that those who die in the faith, as Paul says, it is far better. They are freed from all the pain and suffering and agony of this life. No longer does sin cling to them. No longer are they bound by the chains of Satan. There in the very presence of our God. So why are we sad? Why do we weep? Is it simply a matter of selfishness? That we want them with us? That we're afraid to be alone? Is the widow of Nain, is she distraught because now she has to bear the burden herself? It is not selfishness. And indeed, it is not wrong for us to mourn the passing of a loved one, especially one who dies in the faith. After all, if we need no further example or illustration, let us look to our Lord, who has his dear friend Lazarus laid in the tomb, even as he knew that in moments he would call forth and Lazarus would walk forth from the grave. Our Lord wept. He wept. Because death is a travesty. Even though we know that the cure has been given, even though we know our Lord gave his very life so that we would live, death is never a good thing. And I especially would like to point out that this is even more so as the age of the person who passes away is younger. I mean, there's an instinctiveness I think we have, we all have. When we have the passing of a parent, especially one who is in advanced years, our sister Esther was called home by our Lord this last week at 103. Yes, there's sadness, but we also know, as we might say, it was her time. How different that is if it's a child of ours, one who is maybe only a handful of years, There is certainly even more grief, often devastatingly so, for such a situation. And as we consider such things, if you look at the resurrections in the scriptures, there's seven of them, six, well, there's, I think, nine, six before our Lord's resurrection, our Lord's is the seventh, and there's two in the book of Acts. All of them are for youth, except for Lazarus. There is this one in our Old Testament lesson where Elijah is in the house of the widow of Serapith. There's another where Elisha does a similar, is given a similar miracle later on. 
And our Lord here with the son of the widow of Nain and also then the daughter of the soldier of Jairus. Why is it that the resurrections, the vast majority of them, are specifically for youth? And here I'd like to point out, I think what is often a misgiving, misunderstanding of Scripture. There is a truth of Scripture. Our Lord knows our days. From the very foundation of the world, He knows the moment you shall be conceived, the moment you're born, and yes, the moment He shall gather you to Himself. But we should not confuse that with our Lord cutting our lives short, especially for the youth among us. The psalmist makes it clear in Psalm 90, if you look it up. Seventy years the Lord has allotted for the life of man, if by reason and strength, maybe even eighty. And there's not some ticking time bomb at the age of seventy that suddenly we're just, it ends by any means. But what the psalmist is telling us, what the word of God shows is, there is a lifespan. And when that lifespan is cut early, it is because of sin in the world, it is because of evil in the world. Our Lord mourns the death of his saints, and especially the death of the children among us. And so, yes, it is good for us to mourn, even as we know the blessings which have been bestowed upon them, because death itself is not natural no matter what age, no matter what the cause, no matter what has happened. It is an abnormality that our Lord never intended and gave the only cure which was possible, which was the ultimate death of his son. So what happens to us when we die? The first is, as Scripture shows and says, especially in the New Testament, we fall asleep in Christ. And... Our body rests even as our soul is in the bosom of our Lord. This is the wording of our Lord throughout the scripture of Paul, throughout his epistles most especially. It's what he talks about with Lazarus, our friend has fallen asleep. And when the disciples were clueless, he said, yes, it means he died. It means that we rest from our labors. Our labors to love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves to reach out to those in need, to be the Good Samaritan to those who are in trouble, even as our Lord is the Good Samaritan to us. And it means that we are free from sin, from death, and from Satan, that the burdens of this life are no more. We set them aside, or more aptly, the Lord takes them from us. Which then begs the question, if this is the case, why did the Lord resurrect? Why did he bring these children back? Why did he call Lazarus from the tomb? If we look throughout scripture, the Lord warns us clearly there are troubles which we will face every day. But our Lord is never the cause of the troubles. Yes, because we follow him, the world will oppress and we will face difficulties. But let us not confuse him warning us and telling us of the fears and the dangers of sin and Satan with his love and mercy. Yes, the Lord brings consequences for our sins, but he does not bring difficulties because we are his children. So if that is the truth, which it is, then bringing and raising Jairus' daughter, the 
son of the widow of Nain, Lazarus was not placing a burden on them, but was a joy. And for that, we need to recognize what this life is as well, sinful though it be, burdened with all the troubles and trials of this age. To live is glorious. Our Lord has given us life, and every moment of breathing, every moment of being in his creation is a privilege and a joy. We need to make a distinction here, which sometimes is overlooked, that there is three stages, if you will, to our existence. We live in this fallen world. Then our bodies fall asleep in Christ. We die our mortal death. And we are in what you could call the intermediate period, where our bodies are resting in the ground even as our souls are with Christ. And yes, this is far better than this age in many ways. It is far better for all the reasons I've shared with you before. But it is not the ultimate desire, it is not the ultimate telos, the ultimate end game that our Lord has prepared for us. That will occur when he returns again, when he descends from the heavens with a shout, and the angels and archangels blasting the trumpets, and he calls forth our names, and we walk forth from the tomb. Then, in every sense of the word, life is far better than now, because it's everything we have now, and so much more without sin, without death, without sickness, without trials, and without troubles. But in that intermediate period, there actually is something that's not better than this age. For me, to live is Christ, Paul says, but it is far better for me to depart. What does he mean by those words? The one thing that is better in this age than in that intermediate period is in that intermediate period we are at rest. Yet we are created to be fruitful. We are created to love. We are created to serve. And in this age, we do that. Resting is a good thing. The Lord calls us to rest on the Sabbath. But it is but one day of the week. Today you rest and you rest in the Lord's presence. You receive from him his gifts. So that tomorrow you go forth and love your neighbor again. In the age to come, we will love our neighbor. We will serve our neighbor. We will work. We will be fruitful. And in a way far greater than now, because we will have joy in it when we won't have to worry about the weeds of the grounds, about the troubles. And again, resting is good, but it is not, to be, it is not Christ. When Paul says, for me to live is Christ, means he has the opportunity now to serve, to love, to proclaim the word of God. Why is it the Lord resurrected these three throughout his ministry? There's two reasons. The one is to proclaim who he was. We saw what happened when he raised this son of the widow of Nain. Remembering surely what Elijah had done in Serapeth, they recognized, yes, here is a man of God. And this resurrection was far better than Elijah's. Elijah had to pray three times, and the Lord heard him. Jesus commanded of his own authority. He is the great prophet. God himself dwelt among them, the people recognized. 
But there's also a second reason. The second reason was to give this child the opportunity to serve as Christ serves, to serve his mother, to provide for her, to care for her, to enable him to live as our Lord desires. We look forward to our Lord's return. And especially as this world becomes burdensome and the weight of our trials become heavy, we often learn, yearn for our Lord to take us from this life. When our days are indeed very difficult, there is nothing wrong with the prayer, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Into your hands I commit your spirit, and in your time take me from this veil of tears. And yet we can also recognize that there is a joy to be living in this age, sinful though it may be. A joy which springs from the love of Christ in us, that love which he has poured out on us, the love which moves us to proclaim the wonders of what he has done, to shout the message of his resurrection, to go forth in the sure confidence that because he lives, we too shall live again. And that message is not just for us, it is for all people. Let us eagerly go forth and rejoice in the gifts of our Lord. Let us share with our neighbors the wonders he has done. For a great prophet is among us today, a great prophet who raises us from the dead, who brings us life or gives us life where we are dead in our sins, and who abides with us always. Thanks be to God. Amen. We rise. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs>